Can I ask you a question? You only got into minute. You didn't get points for <laughs> 140. The arse. No way you're 140 IQ. Off the ball. Weekdays from 7 pm on OTB Sports Radio. OTB GAA. Hello there, and you're very welcome along to another episode of the Football Pod. Delighted to be back with James O'Donoghue and a clean shaven Paddy Andrews. Paddy, how are you feeling today? Fresh as a daisy. How were you feeling <laughs> last week? RL Stevie O'Neill, I don't think got the best me there. I think I came down one of those, you know those 24 hour bugs that are going around. Yeah, I know the one. <laughs> I'm one of them. I'm one of them on Monday evening now, I have to say. Yeah, we've all been there, James. I'm fresh as a bird, as always, as yes. part. Thanks, Steve. Steve O'Neill episode went down well. What a legend. Sound is fell ever, isn't it? Very sound. I don't remember him being that sound on the pitch now, I must say. I don't remember many of that around him being that lovely, but uh, he was spot on. Proper, proper legend. You know, I saw him on on Twitter going around today was the uh, highlights of the... I don't know, maybe you shared it, but it was highlights of the Armagh-Tyrone game from 2005. And... He gives one unbelievable pass from under the Hogan with his left leg, top of the D to Canavan. It was exactly what we were talking about the last day, but it was just the amount of people that could give that pass so low and he just pings it into his chest for a point. It was just savage. Footballer of the year that year, wasn't he? Yes. Oh, yeah. five. Yeah. yeah. But he was like, he was saying he was just a, a shoot on, on site merchant. He was kind of putting himself down, obviously, but his passing was reckless. Yeah. He was so physical as well. He was so strong. Yeah, he's one of the best players of the last of the 21st century. Yeah, yeah. First All Star was what 01. Yes, and his last his last All Star was did he win one in 2013? Am I right in saying that? Oh, I don't know. They lost. Oh, he won one late enough, but it may not may not have been then. No, proper legend and what a sound bloke as well. Yeah, so uh, I think he enjoyed it as well. We didn't grill him too much. Is the pass. Three all stars, or one, or five, or nine. Yeah, we set the bar high. We set the bar high for uh, our interviews that are coming over the next little while in the football pod. We're delighted to have a Talchin Cup winner today, Ray Canellan, someone who's played in Australia for two or three years. So we're going to have Ray on in the next little while and pick his brains. Last week, we touched on Mark O'Connor winning in the grand final alongside Zach Tui with the Cats. They had a, a massive win. And uh, the word has come true that he will be back for Dingles. Uh, quarterfinal ties. Jimmy, Jimmy told us that last week. Mm. No, but it was confirmed. Like James, Jimmy sources. Do not believe Jimmy. No, I'm stealing my news. I told you he'd be back. I okay. thought that should have been a world exclusive. Okay, maybe maybe I should have led with that last week in our clip. So, but th- but this week, lads, what we're going to have a look at is the slew of new managers that we're going to have in the intercounty game in 2023. James, can you guess how many new management teams we're going to have once the leagues kick off? Twelve. Paddy? 15. Now nah, you're both wrong. 14. Right. Ah, so, uh, as we're recording, Jesus, as we're recording, there's still two or three counties now. This might give away when we're recording, but Donegal, Roscommon, and Limerick still haven't secured their new management tickets. Kevin Cassidy was tweeting last week. Since I have 20 minutes to spare this morning, I'm going to pick the next Donegal setup. Manager Rory Kavanagh, head coach in SNC Michael Boyle, selectors Carl Lacey, Frank McGlynn, and Maxi Curran. That's what he put out as his dream team ticket. So we'll wait and see if that comes to fruition. Russ Common still haven't got a manager, and Limerick still haven't replaced Billy Lee since he stepped aside in August. I'm going to put in an asterisk here. If any 
counties appoint a manager in the next 48 hours. I apologize. We've recorded a little bit early this week. But some of the managers that are in, lads, Kevin McStay is back for another uh, hit at inter-county management. We spoke with that a couple of weeks ago on the football pod. He had previously managed Roscommon. Andy McEntee has uh, left Mead, sat down for Mead and was immediately put in with Antrim. And Liam Kearns, who's been on the circuit quite a bit, he was over that Limerick team back around the early 2000s. He was over a tip team um, involved in a number of areas. A Kerry man is back with Offaly. John Cleary, who stepped in last year when Keith Ricken had health issues, has resumed that role. Keith Ricken is no longer the senior county manager of Cork. So he's taken over. So this will be essentially his first year in an inter-county job. And the other boys, Desi Dolan, Connor Laverty, Ushi McConville, John Hegarty in Wexford, Paddy Christie in Longford, Vinnie Corey in Monaghan, and Colin O'Rourke in Mead are all taking over county teams for the very first time. Ooh, was big it, names in there, isn't there? Hmm. Was it Oshin McConville who was who had a pop off um, off McStay? No? I wouldn't say it was directly a pop off Max Day as I Google the quote from Ushi McConville as we're talking here. But I think what oh, he I said was, there was... It was what Oshin said. Saying is he's only starting a new gig. It was interesting. It wasn't at Max Day, wasn't it? At like... It was at the ticket in general. Oshin yeah, said yeah. that he was obviously part of Ray Dempsey's proposed ticket that was going, going in. I think Keith Higgins may have been a part of that as well. And McConville said he was really impressed with Dempsey. Feels like Mayo picked the wrong man. That McStay's ticket may have too many egos in there. Now that's Ushi McConville's words, not ours. So, yeah, maybe it is a little interesting, James, that a current intercounty manager had a swipe at another intercounty. It was more. I I seen the the comments. I was just thinking he was in the mix to get it, obviously, and they didn't get it. So it was obviously frustrating, as he said himself. He would have liked to have gotten it. Yeah, I was interested to see that. The Wick Love Boys won't be delighted seeing him going about, uh, about the Mayo job. Like, I just thought it was, it was strange, but... It was a strange one, though, yeah. Um, it's, it's a new job to go... When you're asked to, Mayo, you're to, be, to be in the mix for the Mayo gig and then to go and get the Wick... Like, they're very different roles. Mm. They're massively different roles, to, to be honest there, lads. Like, you're, you're going from being part of a ticket for a team that without a shadow of doubt of aspirations to win the All-Ireland title and then going into, into Wicklow it's just totally different profile of job totally different goals resources to work with and things like that so it's an interesting one but, but like you were going through it there Tommy like the, there's some massive names going in there for the first time and we touched on it last week with Stephen O'Neill he was obviously involved with, with, with Antrim himself with Andy McGinley's uh, ticket and you still said there's still some massive jobs not being filled as of yet, three, four months after the championship is finished. And and the the time constraints that are put on senior inter-county managers, like, like Stephen O'Neill said himself, he touched on, on the Kerry backroom team, nearly 20 people. As manager, you're nearly managing two teams. You're managing the, the, the players themselves and how difficult and how time-consuming that is. Then you're trying to manage the, the big backroom team to make sure those guys are performing and they're adding value. Then you're managing the media. Then you're managing the fans. Then you're managing the county boards. It is a massive, massive role. And it's just interesting to see maybe there's people aren't as mad to do it as they have been previously. That, that people are fully aware now of the time and travel and everything that goes into trying to be successful at a senior inter-county manager. It's, 
It's a massive, massive commitment to do. Um, so it's interesting to see such a turnover this year where, where like you say, you're going to have eight guys running a senior at the county team for the first time ever. They're, yeah. obviously, they're obviously experienced guys. They played at, some of them played at the highest level. They've managed club teams and things like that. But it's, it's fascinating to see how they settle in. And is this going to be a trend going forward where, where counties are going to struggle to fill their posts? I mean, the, the obvious one, Vinnie Corrie's gone in as a legend in... A legendary player for Monaghan, I think it's probably fair to say he he mightn't have been overly keen himself to do it, but he looks at things from the well. Vin, Vinny's thirty nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Monaghan are a massive county as well, linked with two or three different people. Didn't go through, and then Vinny Curry seems to have kind of just landed in at, at the end. I'm sure the players obviously have massive respect for him. He knows the county inside out, but from what you could see from the outside looking in, he probably wasn't. Doesn't look like he was overly mad for old to take that job. So um, it's interesting to see. And, and obviously, like I say, there's two big high-profile spots left. No disrespect to Limerick, but but Ross Common and, and Donegal are massive jobs. Who goes in there? Who is going to get those jobs eventually? Because they're kind of coming in a bit late. That these backroom teams and coaches and they're watching club championships, like you were saying the other night, they're getting a feel for how they're going to set up for the season. Whereas those two counties and Limerick who are obviously in Division 2 this year after after Billy Lee's great work, they're a bit behind. They'll have a little bit of catching up to do. So very, yeah. very interesting off-season in, in the senior and the county game. Yeah, very much so. And like, yeah, the, James, I'll let you in here now, but like just the ages there, Conor Laverty's 36, still playing with Kilku. Vinnie Corey's 39. Like he was a selector, but he only stepped away from Monaghan a couple of years ago. Christian McConville are 46. Desi Dolan's 43. You know, Desi Dolan was playing... Westmead and Ray Canella made his debut back in 2014 so it'll be interesting to hear about uh, how that's gone down in the Westmead dressing room Desi Dolan coming back a legend in the county so like we know that Kieran Donnelly Andy Moran quite young that like there, there's a young breed of manager coming along here now James that commitment level are you surprised that Donegal and Roscommon haven't filled like they're both two relatively high profile counties operating in Division 1 are you surprised they haven't filled it yet? I am Definitely very surprised. And I, I don't think it's a good thing that they haven't filled it yet. Like I know mm. that if I was a player and I was in the middle of a championship and you know who the manager is, like you're thinking about the intercounty scenes straight away. Whereas even if if there's no manager, it's kind of saying, you know, what's going there? There's question marks early. I just think that Donegal especially need to fill that, fill that position. But like the scrutiny on managers at the moment is is insane. Like a one-point win and you're a legend. And a one point defeat, and you're almost almost a fool for a week, you know. So, like, I'm I'm not surprised that that there's not loads of people putting their hand up and jumping into that position because it's so tough. But the one the one job that sticks out to me there is Laverty at Down because Down obviously did not have a good year last year. I know we made a couple of remarks about what was going on last year with them, but like, there's so much room for improvement there. Yeah, like they're they're Possibly. coming from a low base. Like I know. They have a lot of talent in the group and Laverty's 36, right? He's been playing against, against a lot of fellas, you know, yeah. he's going to be managing. So it's going to be a tough one, but it's also very interesting to see how he gets on there. I think that he'll bring them together and I think they could have, because everyone who's kind of in their mid to late 30s, they know all the, they know all the, the parts of management, yeah, all the kind of the scientific stuff, the new tactics, kind of anyone who's been out of the game for a couple of years, might might be losing a bit of information or they might not have as much knowledge as the fellas in their late 30s. I think it's a great age to get in because I think they have huge knowledge at the moment. 
Would you be interested in Jimmy? If someone rang you up and said, inter-county job, senior inter-county job, would you be interested in doing it? Hand you mean manager, manager or coach? No, manager. You're the main man if they manage the whole nine yards. 32. What? I, would, I, would I take it at 32? Yeah, go on, would you? <laughs> you'd be pelting oranges at me at the top <laughs> oh you'd be a complete catastrophe but would you go for it like um, if you had to pick up I, any I, one of those jobs I would, I would 14 like, jobs would you take any of those jobs if Donegal rang you up but I mean definitely in the future I, I would have definitely a grow for it yeah I would see the benefit of it Do you know I'd, I know that it can be daunting but it's all about who you get in around you create a bit of a freshness Create a bit of excitement, and the players do the work. Like you know, it's all about the players. Do you know? Yeah. But I mean, I, like that said, if it goes wrong, like it is a slippery slope. Like it, it's dangerous. And is it just a cliche, or, or when a new management team does come in, is there a freshness there? Is there a kick that you get out of it? Like James, did you get that in in thirteen when Fitzmaurice came in? Hundred percent, massive, massive freshness and kick. But, but I think Fitzmaurice have, was a legend in Kerry as it was anyway, and he well, knew well, he know, played it, with a lot of those guys as well. That that I think that's a big help. That he, he kind of has the respect of. We said it so many times, but new coaches coming in, you know, whether you like it or not, the players are judging you. You know, like we said there's, players are all great and they're all humble and all that good stuff. But if a coach comes in or a new manager comes in, they are being judged right from the get go. And for someone like Fitzmaurice coming in to that Kerry job back, Jimmy, when you were back at 13, like Fitzmaurice is a legend in Kerry. He played with a lot of the, the key guys in that team. So you kind of have, you have leeway, you have credit in the bank. Um, that's what we're saying. That's a big challenge for, for, for Laverty, even though he's, he's played with the guys, he, he's younger. He doesn't have as much of a, a, a track record, I suppose. I know he's done underage stuff with Down. How is he going to be received in there? You look at the complete other end of the scale, someone like O'Rourke or Max Day, where, where they're older, they've had a lot of media profile. You know, what do the players think of those guys? Because mm. the first impressions when a new coach or manager comes in are massive. They're, they're massive. And if you get it right, there's just a feel-good factor. No matter how bad the previous season have been, you can kind of, there's an energy about the place. If that goes wrong, or there's already question marks at that point, I mean, that is a... They're kind of pissing against the wind, really, from, from the very start, if you like, get that initial period wrong. James Fismaris was 35, if my maths are serving me correctly here, when he first took over. Was he? Yeah. Sure. Fismaris, Fismaris was... And that's when maths are terribly off. 77, yeah, 35, yeah. He was 20s manager, and he was selector with Jack. But he did, you're right, he came in with credibility, and he had the respect of the older fella straight away, right? But that only lasts for a week. If you're terrible... That don't last. Like, <laughs> like there's only so so far that that kind of respect and that grace goes. Like he came in and he was unbelievable as a manager straight away. Do you know? So, like I, I understand what you're saying about the about the the couple of weeks grace or whatever. But in fairness to Fitzmaurice, I think he set he set the tone in terms of I'm going to do this my way and freshen it up. And then we kind of had a young group who just clung to it and bought into it. So I think that Laverty has a chance to do that. Yeah. What was it like in Dublin in October 2008 when it's announced that former Dublin footballer Pat Gilroy, who was quite young at the time, has been appointed as new manager of Dublin footballers. The 95 All-Ireland winner takes over from Paul Caffrey on a two-year term with St. Vincent's club mate Mickey Whelan drafted in alongside selectors Paul Nugent and Paddy O'Donoghue. 
What was it feeling like when you were a young man, Paddy, in that squad? Were you thinking, boom, this is my chance? I, I didn't know, Geller. Like, that was that was a surprise across the board. Because Pat, if you remember that earlier that year, on Paddy's day, he was playing full forward for Vinny's. With, yeah. With uh, Darren McConnelly and Tomas. The club they won the All-Ireland Club. Like, so Pat was... I was obviously a big player for Dublin and Vincent's in particular, being highly successful away from the pitch, his business career and things like that. But that was a massive surprise that he was thrown in at basically as the senior manager because Pillar had been Pillar had been there for, for a number of years. He'd been involved in Tommy Lyon's backroom team. There was kind of that was the way things you can really see were being done that a selector would carry on the succession of that. Whereas Pat was a complete break from that. Mickey Whelan is a legend, absolute legend in, in Dublin GAA as a coach. Um, so him coming in with Pat, who was very young at the time, was was master stroke looking back on it. But I was surprised it was. I think everyone was kind of like, geez, he's playing club championship there only a couple of months ago. And now he's getting such a high profile job. Um, but but for me, I was I had only one year on the senior panel before that. I made my debut under Pillar, so it's kind of kind of sad to see Pillar go because the guy who gave you a chance at senior level, I was only nineteen, and um, but I didn't know Pat at all. So it was kind of just uh, James. You you'll know this when a new coach comes in. If you're a young guy, you're excited about it because. You kind of you feel that this guy's got to give you a chance, and it's kind of it's a clean slate, and that's the way when a new manager comes in, that's the way it should be. But I, I think in any, not even just senior at the county, at any dynamic club level, there's guys who the previous manager would have liked. They would have hung their hat on them, and managers say we've no favourites, all that good stuff. But but there's players who would have played a lot and would have been really important for for managers. Mm. On the flip side, there'll be players who weren't getting a lot of game time, and they're throwing the toys out of the pram, and they're, your man doesn't like me. And a new manager comes in and they're thinking, this is a clean slate. There's younger guys are going, right, this guy's going to give me the opportunity. And then for older players or players kind of maybe more experienced, they're kind of thinking, hmm, how do I fit in with this guy? So there's a nervousness there going, am I going to be part of this guy's plan? So I, I think that's the same for any player at any level when a new manager comes in. Um, and that's how the initial period is managed. You need, I would say, no matter what, you need to get the group, the key players on side with you straight away. Who, who are the leaders in the group? Most inter-county teams have leadership panels. There's six or eight guys that kind of have the respect of the dressing room. You need to sit down and have a chat with them. And go, Look, this is what I'm looking to do. You might do that before you meet the group as a whole um, and get them on side because they're the guys that are going to be talking in the dressing room, you know, after you've done your big presentation and, it can go wrong there. Like if you, if they're not on side with you, you could give a great presentation. The lads go into the dressing room, your man's full of shit. And then younger lads are more impressionable guys are going, yeah, no, he is. Yeah, that's right. It can go wrong. Have, can, have you seen managers? Have you seen managers get it wrong with the leadership group, James? No, but I mean, it, it is crucial that you get them on side because I, I remember I was listening to O'Gara and he, I forget the percentages. I'm just trying to rack my head. I think he said that it was. You're talking about the boat. Raj it's similar he was saying 20% of the fellas are ultra committed 20% are kind of could take it or leave it and then the middle 60 you know you have to pull up to the top rather than leave them sink down to the yeah. bottom do you know what I mean it was 30, 30, 40 was it just yeah, something like the that close. Yeah, right. like if you're, if you're if you're 30 if you're top 30 aren't on side with the manager and the bottom 30 are kind of chirping going I'm not sure about this fella you need the top 30% to say 
shut your mouth. Do you know, like, uh, kind of. <laughs> You're right, though. Right? It's, it's that's going the right direction because otherwise it, it can it can go against the tide very quickly. Do you know, player power is massive. <laughs> you don't like to admit it, but it is. <laughs> it you is. need to get. Remember, I read Mourinho's book on the soccer side, and his key to now back when Mourinho was the man, even though he's a bit of a renaissance now at the minute. But uh, when he was coming in at Porto and Chelsea and all, he was like, Give me the top three or four guys in every dressing room, and I would get them on side, and yeah. they run the dressing room for you. Yeah. And that's that's the gig, because you're, you're right, there's, there's younger guys or guys who kind of just drift along and they kind of go through the motions and if if you've got the wrong you've got the top six or seven personalities in the team they're not necessarily they're not always the best players but the big personalities who kind of set the tone in, in the playing group and they're they're going looking at this looking at you going I don't know about this fella yeah that can go wrong quickly and whatever about outside or dealing with rivals and competitors if, if your own house your own dressing room isn't on side with you you have got a massively uphill task and that's that's what all these counties because that's a massive turnover you have 14 counties and 14 new sets of management teams going in there that's what they're trying to work on at the minute and get the tone right and get a bit of a buzz around training and new players going watching club championships and getting an energy around the county. And that's what I feel, that's what we were saying for, for the likes of Limerick, Roscommon, Donegal, there's still question marks there. Mm. They are, they're kind of chasing their tail a little bit, but um, I think yeah. Donegal needs, they need a big name, a, an influx of excitement into that, into that dressing room because it's stale, yeah. it was stale last year. Like we backed them in every game last year. <laughs> <laughs> I think I stopped back. No, I stopped too. We learned. They've burned me too many times. How many times did we say Donegal on paper last year? Yeah, every time. What a team on paper. <laughs> God, they are phenomenal. But I, th- I think, I think Cassidy's hitting the right tones with that, that super ticket that I, I put towards you earlier on, but we'll <laughs> see what happens. He's thrown that up on Twitter in 90 seconds. It took him to do that. I'd say yeah. early, you're thinking the county board have explored something like this. This is going on months with them. It's a long time. It is. Someone I think in it, the county board has read it and gone, hold on. Yeah, <laughs> this is out of left. Why haven't have we thought Early of this? Not. They've June, this. June the 12th is when Donegal were knocked out this year. So Declan Bonner stepped yeah. aside, I think, a week or two later. So it's been quite a while. It might have been a bit longer when Bonner stepped aside. But listen, that's that was at this stage. That was an enjoyable chat. I think it could be time to get on our special guest, Ray Canellan. So you are listening to episode 36 of the football pod with Paddy Anders and James O'Donoghue. Do subscribe. We're gonna be back right after this with our special guest, West Meads, Ray Canellan. All right, you're very welcome back to episode 36 of the football pod with Paddy Anders and James O'Donoghue. And I'm delighted to welcome along our special guest this week, West Meads, Ray Canellan. Ray, how are you doing? All good boys, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah, keep well. Life is good. You're uh, you've graduated from UCD, I believe. Yeah, yeah, have indeed. Finally, it's uh, almost almost ten years to the day when I started. With a few <laughs> with a few deviations in between, I finally got my degree. So that was a uh, it was a big deal for for myself to to get it done. So Did you have to well, sit the exams. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 I'm not making you sit the exams out in Belfield, are they? No, I'm, I'm done. I'm out, I'm out the gap. I'm, I have me, me graduated cap is, is on me head. I'm, I'm well done. done. It's uh, yeah, no, it was good. It took it took a while, but we got there. You really you dragged the air out of that. A decade yeah, in college. Yeah. Hey, a couple of sabbaticals in between. 
But, yeah, uh, a, a fair, few, fair, fair. Few, few deferred bits in between, but we got there, so it was great. Back it would be weird not Sigerson seven or eight years. Or you could play you could play as much as you wanted, couldn't you? Now you have to play only Yeah. Uh, well, the whole time I was in college, I think I think it was seven years. Um, but so obviously my first year in uh college in Dublin, uh I would have obviously been freshers. Uh I actually dropped out then that year and then the following year I went back down to Galway. So I was freshers again. So out of that few years, I would have had three years of, of freshers football. Exactly. Uh, this is phenomenal. Um, That's yeah. cheat code. But sorry, That's sorry. Two years, two years freshers football. I was too old going back the third time to do it. So I think I think I just finished up. If, if I was to go again this year, I, I'd be out of luck and I wouldn't be allowed to play Sigerson. So, um, <laughs> You've yeah, been like Sean O'Brien. Do you see Sean O'Brien, the rugby player, was going back playing amateur rugby. They wouldn't let him. <laughs> I thought that was. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine yeah. coming up against that fella. Jeez, him a full <laughs> whack. You've got no chance. <laughs> not a hope in Ray, will you will you still speak up for the Sigerson player this January, even though you're not a, a member? I know you uh, yourself and James O'Donoghue who were both uh, very vociferous in your um, standing up for the players. I don't think James named anyone in particular. He just said it was uh, it wasn't right. But you definitely great minds, right? Ah, now here, look. I actually I remember this this happened at the time, and like. We were doing this Sigerson kind of media day, if you want to call it that. And I was on the phone for about two and a half hours doing interviews. And next thing, some fella from a Kerry newspaper asked me, what do you think of the lads going playing this match? And I was like, ah, oh, look, it's just stupid, like whatever. And I, I should have phrased it a bit more kind of <laughs> politically correct and not kind of said it was brain dead. It came across that I absolutely slated Jack O'Connor and by no means right. that I, that I wanted to come across him. Like the man, Don't worry, the man. we can edit this podcast after. You can say <laughs> no, no. You won't throw I, you under the bus here, I promise. I, I, I felt, no, because I got, I saw all these articles coming out after about this Egypt from Westmead slating this Kerry legend. I was like, ah, oh, lads, here, that's not how it's supposed to be. That's over. So I was, uh, I was Jack like. Jack was raging, I believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can't believe it. Um, but no, geez, I, I didn't want it to come across like that. But uh, no, I think, I think I'll just uh, do the right thing and shut up now from now on. <laughs> just I, <say> nothing. <laughs> well, I think. I, that time, Tommy, was that, was that <laughs> fellas were playing like two and three matches a week and training. Yeah. And I, was, was, talking about some of the most talented fellas in the country who should be kind of being minded or at least, especially that time of year with South Fields and things like that. You see, yeah. it was Tommy Conroy, wasn't it? Tommy Conroy got a it was brutal Conroy. injury. He, yeah, he, did, he did his knee at that time. And then the I, I was just thinking like you've got, like my, my, my point of view is like, if you're looking at it from a sports performance point of view, like all, all jokes aside, you've got lads who are playing uh, intense Sigerson Cup games like they're, they're the, the step below county level football yeah. really yeah. Um, and then they were hopping in a car getting cold hopping out of a car like what was it 200k down the road to mm. go play a match and coming like sit, sorry sitting on the bench probably in the pissing rain I believe it was and then coming on and I was thinking I was like it, the two boys that were, were involved were they're both quality quality footballers like and I was like did they really have that much to prove at that early in the year? Let them do it. it. Like if they're going to be there, thereabouts, they'll be there regardless of that game. And I know the two boys kind of wanted to do it and they wanted to play and that's fair enough. But my point is that that's when you need to kind of be mature as a management team and be like, lads, stay at home, get rested up. We'll see you in training on Tuesday. And that, that was my point. And that's why it's most basic. 100%. Basically. Like lads, we're talking about sports science and all the counties not even just the top every county has sports science guys coming in uh, performance coaches all that stuff that is kind of that's an obvious thing like if mm. guys are playing a match on the same bloody day and like so we're talking about conditions here in fucking January like yeah. 
the legs are hanging off you for a couple of days. So look, it's just what we've said it so many times on this show. The calendar is so condensed. You're trying to find windows where guys can play their, their under-20s, they can play with their clubs. If they're successful, you're going into the, the club All-Irelands at that time of year. Then you've got the college's football, which we said probably doesn't get the national coverage it deserves, but it's massively important to players and to the universities that are there. And then you've got national league games and pre-season competitions, your Burn Cup, McGrath's Cups and all these type of things. Going yeah. It's a mental busy time of the year. You've got to look after the players. And like I say, guys are eager and they're mad for a role to play. That should kind of be taken out of their hands by experienced coaches. Um, and it's just, you're looking at the disaster we had for, for Tommy Conroy last year. He gets injured yeah. in a game like that. Such a massive player for Mayo. And they were a, a county that just lost out from, look at how that impacted their season going forward. And yeah. if, if we keep doing that, it's going to be someone else this January. And well, it's, you've got to look after the guys. Well, know? when you talk about the, the rain and the weather, like that Sigerson final was played in horrendous weather. David Clifford um, Cliff. was playing for UL against NUIG. And like, I know Clifford came through it, but I don't think we saw David Clifford at full fitness in the All-Ireland semi-final and the All-Ireland final. Um, he picked up a couple of knocks later in the year. If Kerry had lost David Clifford for one of those games, they weren't winning those games. Like, would you be then looking back and thinking, mm, I, was gonna bring it up. I was going to get straight on Twitter. This is going back to January. <laughs> <laughs> get off the fence, Jimmy. Yeah. No, Ray, I have a question. Do you know, because in Australia, right, obviously... We've yeah, noticed yeah. the physique of fellas coming home is incredible, right? But say, what's the recovery like over there? Like, I know it's game on game on game, but surely the fellas are able to take more load and are they pushed to higher loads constantly over there? Yeah, so I think I think the biggest thing is even, even before you're getting pushed to those loads, uh, the emphasis is placed massively on your recovery. Um, so your recovery can, can kind of start as a kind of preemptive thing where you're, you're far stronger. Like, like most guys who go over their strength and their conditioning shoots up immediately. Like, you know, you get, you get very strong very quickly because you've got the time to put into your body. So if you're stronger, you're less likely for weaknesses and you're less likely to pick up needles. So that's kind of the first thing. Um, and you've got trained specialists there looking at you, knowing where you're weak. So that, that's the one thing. You've got people really looking after you from that point of view. You've got, uh, in our club, like compulsory, it was great, you had compulsory massage uh, three times a week. Um, and that was aside from your physiotherapy sessions that you were allowed to get as many times a week as you needed. Um, on your days off, you had to go get massages. Um, we were barred from massages. This no, sounds like the dubs here. Really? Is this the dubs yeah. we're talking about? Is it? <laughs> <laughs> Why, had you, had you mandatory massages too, Paddy? Oh, we did. So I told you, we were paid. We days off. It was great. <laughs> Live in masseuse. My brother will be on to you soon enough. Right we log John in here. We'll just drop him in. <laughs> just for the record, that's tongue-in-cheek. Tommy. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> People get very excited, right? Keep, keep going, Ray, with the recovery. But um, yeah, so so obviously you've you've a big investment going into it in the build up. But then as the preseason starts, um, so as a first year player going in, you do about seventy five percent of the on field training, and then towards the end of every session in the preseasons, as the kind of football stuff is stopped and you're going into just pure conditioning running session, um, sorry, yeah, the training sessions are kind of broken too in that way. You do a lot of football conditioning, and then you go into just literally almost athletics, like you're doing four hundreds 
1Ks, stuff like that. But they don't do they don't do conditioning in the football drill. Oh no, they do, they do. Like you're getting dog before that as well. Like this is just it's all built up. So your your preseason sessions could kind of total anywhere from kind of ten to ten to fifteen K. And then you might finish up. Um I remember we finished up for Christmas one year um and every player on the squad had to hit 18k. Um so you've got guys over there who are about six foot seven, six foot eight, and obviously they're not covering the ground that, like, you know, the people in my position would. So by the time they get to 18, we could have 21, 22 done. That. Um, and that was always the last big hit out before the break for Christmas. But following these sessions, like mandatory ice baths, mandatory, like if every, every single recovery system worked off points and you had to tick the boxes to get, say, 100 points of recovery. So that was your, you had to have your big protein smoothie, you log your calories on that. You had to uh, do your ice bath. You had to check in with the physios if you had any niggles. Um, and there was all different bits available. Like we had like a little oxygen chamber thing in the club that you could go in and it was like a little a tunnel just big enough to kind of hop into. They'd zip it up and pump up the oxygen levels by whatever, 70, 80%. And you just go in there for a, a snooze for an hour and a half. And it obviously the higher oxygen levels improve your your recovery. So like that's that's the level they're going to to promote recovery. So I suppose it might hark back to what I was saying about the lads going playing that match. Like I've come from, from that. <laughs> and I'm like, from driving forward. I'm like, these, these guys are, 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 are a million dollar businesses. Like, and this is the investment they're putting on it. So how can a fella down in, in a, a club in Kerry or Galway or Cork, whatever, not see the same value. So, you know, they, they really do invest massively in it, but it's, it's a, it's a, a matter of they build you up nice and strong. So you don't have those weaknesses. Uh, and then they build up your stamina in the legs so that you know your body's more used to the high loads and then the recovery after is just an absolute you know it's a, it's a mandatory it's a non-negotiable so if you had if you did if you knocked out a 15k session right yeah what's that on a Monday or Tuesday when are you yeah. hitting the field again so normally I think the way our, our we had a big session on a Monday um, I can't I struggle to remember the pre-season it's kind of Monday, Wednesday, Friday and then a thing on a Saturday and in the pre-season so you do Monday would be a big session kind of between 8 and 10k Wednesday Tuesday would be kind of a, a half day so you might go do boxing or swimming um, something kind of off legs but you still get a blowout and you do a weight session Wednesday would be obviously back in the gym and a, that would be a massive pitch session Wednesdays were horrible I don't know if you know this thing called belay running um, it's, no. it's, it's, a, it's a type of, it's a type of running it's a bit, a bit boring won't get into it but it's an absolute dogging of a session like honestly there, there's, there's running sessions you're doing up there and you're like this has to end at some point like <laughs> and, and imagine you think, how bad I'd be at that oh, oh boy lord puking like boys puking like ah there's there's some mad stories about the things that happen lads in these sessions um go on give us something i can't make to the jackson time stuff like that like (laughs) i never i never saw it but i've I've heard i've heard the stories but it's um it it is it is it is a dogging but like by the time kind of february comes like you're you're like you'll you'll never be fitter than what you are like like just look look at the boys we're playing look at the physique like the likes of mark o'connor and zach and and these Mm -hmm. boys they're absolute freaks and I I think the fact that they're kind of removed from the culture here a little bit it, they're, they're not appreciated in terms of the athletes and, and the skill level they are like like I I'm here talking about Australia like and I shouldn't be in the same conversation as the likes of Zach Tui and Mark and anyone who's played an AFL game because like the difference between going over there for two years playing in the twos and like being close to actually breaking into the side 
keeping a position and doing what the boys are doing, like what Zach has done, what Ty Canelli has done, like they if they were here at home performing at that level, they'd be the best players in the country by country mile. Like it's 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 very hard to explain the difference between lads getting over there, getting their two year contract and then not making it, and the boys who actually break in and do it. Like it it's very hard to I suppose understand it when when you're at home here and not not involved in it. Yeah, there was a there was a graphic put up. Donica Boyle put it up from a piece in the end though. And what's been in and around 60 players that have gone over uh, in men's AFL. And it's actually remarkable the amount that have zero games played in the AFL beside them. Like you, you actually yeah. would take it for granted yeah. that getting over there is only one step of a journey. <laughs> and actually when Zach Tui hits 250, was it 250 games hitting the grand final? Yeah. Like it is actually hard to comprehend that level of success in a sport in a country that size like. Yeah, like you have to, you have to appreciate like everyone who goes over, like they've never played this game before. Yeah, like never, they've probably never kicked the ball until like their trial starts or something. Like you need to learn, and it's another thing people don't appreciate. Like get get your best Gaelic footballer in the country and throw him an AFL ball and ask him to put it on a fella's chest from thirty yards as your man is running, and and he's getting tackled like physically, like properly tackled now, not like a guy like, ah, getting a hand in, like. <laughs> and you're getting you're getting mulled out of it by some you're big Aussie fella. Like I mean, it's it's a it's a tough skill to master. And like, like Zach's one of the best kicks in the competition over there. Like he's known for his for his kicking. Like, oh. And the same as Mark actually. Mark off two feet, like left and right foot, like savage. Like so, you just I think I think it needs to appreciate it big time. And I I'd always try and like support the boys as much as I can. Like when I see them doing well, because. It's, it's fucking hard it's, yeah. hard, it's hard gig to, to well, break into look on the flip side Ray of saying imagine bringing an Aussie kid over at 18 yeah. to exactly. play senior inter-county football and at that many games and one of the top teams and end up winning the Sam Maguire like they wouldn't have hope or they, yeah. they wouldn't have, have a hope and, and yet these guys yourself for anyone who goes over there they're, they're generally look you're unbelievably talented guys to, to get to that stage but then you're going into a professional like, like you were saying Ray multi-million dollar corporations yeah. picking the guys from all over Australia sports mad country bringing guys in and to go and look at Ty Canelli and the, the two boys obviously haven't got there and won the bloody thing that is I've seen Zach too he's 250 games there like phenomenal stuff so yeah. Yeah. the interesting but, I'd say but we had Paddy Talley on the, the, the Kerry coach earlier um, about five or six weeks ago post the All-Ireland Ray and we were kind of asking him, it was on the back of the All-Ireland Final, and you're looking at a guy like Killian McDade coming back, who's been exposed to that type of training. And yourself, with Conor McKenna, obviously, with, with Tyrone's All-Ireland win um, in 2021. The impact the guys come back, you know, GH guys, you know, we all know, train very hard and we're fit and we're strong and all that stuff. But guys who've been exposed to that level of training that you're talking about, they just come back on another level. Mm. And and the, the challenge is probably getting the skill set back up to speed and the sharpness, the, the GEA skills back. But but the athleticism you have, and I th- one of the standout things for me was, was probably the game of the year that they all are in the quarterfinal, the Armagh Galway game in, in extra time. And Killian McDavid yeah. is still just going up and down the, and nearly single handedly gets Galway out of jail. He did, yeah. yeah. With the scores at the end there, he could just go, you could feel he could go and play another 30. Same as Connor Glass with Derry as well, similar. Connor Glass, yeah, just yeah. incredible impacts when they come back. Yeah. And it's just the fitness level, even though Galads are fit, as we would think, once you've been exposed to the, the Aussie rules and the professional side of things, it's just a different different gravy altogether, as you're saying. Yeah. Like that's, 
That's horrendous training. Jesus. You have to look as well. Like, I mean, if you, if you say we'd obviously everyone's GPS now, Gaelic and, and Australia, it's all, it's all GPS meters per minute. So Australian rules is a very long game. You're on the field for a very long time and you, you cover a lot more ground, but meters per minute. The Gaal lads are not far behind here. Like, um, you know, on, on what on what they're actually covering uh, during a game. And the only thing holding the GA back from kind of being that level is that fact that it's not a professional sport. Like, yeah. you know, if, if these if these lads could put the time every day the same way as the Australians did and they had the money behind it and, you know, if it was a, a professional sport, you would you would then see, like, you know, it'd be, it'd be like for like. So that's, you, you have to commend the, the attitude of inter-county football. And to be honest, it's something I struggled with um, probably the year before last was that commitment to to intercounty football again. Um and like you have to you have to commend these boys who are, you know, working college but still freakishly fit and freakishly athletic and and, and committed to it. Like it's like you look you know yourselves how how tricky it is to yeah. just keep going and keep going. Um it's probably something I would have I would have struggled with. You found out in twenty twenty one, was it? Yeah, the the year after COVID. So the twenty twenty we played we got knocked out by Dublin that day Port Leash. Um, yeah. That year was grand. It was a bit of a shit show for everybody. Like that was fine. Came back in 2021, and if it wasn't for Jack Looney, I wouldn't. Have, I wouldn't have gone back probably at all, and potentially would have missed out on like the Tajin Cup stuff. I was pretty much kind of resigned to not no interest at all. And then even even back in in the squad, I was probably the pretty shit teammate in terms of like anything I could do to not be training was an excuse. <laughs> I absolutely had no interest in being there. It just wasn't for me. Um, I think my interest just just faded in in that year. Like just had a bit of a year. I was like, nah. It's like but after COVID, you've been locked down for so long. I just didn't want to be yeah. locked down by Gaelic football again. I was like, I want to enjoy. Say my like there was there was different things happening in my family at times. Like I just I want to be able to go and enjoy this now without worrying about training at nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. Like I just don't have the interest for it. And in fairness to Jack, he kind of looked sat me down. We had a fairly kind of honest conversation about like what I wanted out of like life and football and kind of half it through well half, yeah half it through that year then I kind of like flicked a bit of a switch and I was like look cop yourself on now you're you're trying to have your cake and eat it here um and like I think that's one thing that you'll you'll miss with with Jack in terms of um his his, his ability to speak with people like he's just such a, a kind of care and man manager that that it's it's a, it's a huge asset for him um it'll help him in his new role but it's definitely something that, that you'll miss kind of going forward is that kind of, he, he knows how to speak to a fella to get something out of him, you know? He knew he knew at that point I was probably close enough to be fucked this and, and, and gone. And he was like, he kind of would tell you, look, he'd, he'd remind you of games. Like he'd tell me, you know, a game I played down in Cork. He was like, like if you're playing like that, no one in the country is going to live with you. And like he, he builds you up. So you're kind of like, yeah, look, that's what I want. That's He knows that's the feeling that footballers are chasing. That kind of like, I'm I'm going to be the best now, and like he, he tapped into that well, and he, yeah. he he kept me he kept me in anyway. So I was, I was happy he did because I would miss out on some good old a bit of crack after. And was that his thing, the man management? Like obviously, like tactically and kind of in was he a coach or did he kind of leave other fellas at it or was he tactical <laughs> as well or was it man management was his main thing? Oh well, look, you, you have to be able to do both. Um, you know, it's his man management was definitely a, a strong point. How, how personable he was with everyone. Um, he kind of had a very good relationship with everyone and like look there's it wouldn't be for, for me to say but like how he, he dealt with lads person situations outside of football 
like the likes of like Luke Lachlan, who's been very open about what he's been through. Like Jack would have, I, I, other managers would have told Luke to, to fuck off. Like we don't need that near the squad. But like Jack was actively making sure Luke was was at trainings just to keep him there. And now you look at what Luke is now, and, and such a such a good, solid kind of well-rounded fella. And like it's, it's Jack's ability to kind of deal with people like that. And you know, anytime anyone's having a hard time, Jack is very on the ball with how, how he deals with it. So that's a, that's a huge part of it. And then tactically, he was able to. He was confident enough in knowing what he wanted to do. He would dissect teams to an inch of their lives. We knew going out onto every game we played, first time I've ever really experienced it in county football, exactly what teams were doing after kickouts, exactly what they were doing when they had the ball, exactly the way they wanted to defend. And it, we tore teams apart with it at times because we were able, like the Offaly game, like we, I don't think their keeper got a kick out away. Yeah. Um, or sorry, we got, we got every we got every kick out away or something like that because he knew this is where we'll get gaps and we we're able to kind of uh, isolate them then. Um, but he was also as confident as he was in, in knowing his beliefs and his conviction. He was humble enough to be like, right, say if one of the lads has an opinion on something, that's actually much better than what he was thinking, and he, and he go with that. So very well rounded in terms of his ability to to be confident and direct in in his beliefs, but also be humble enough to know. And someone else has a point that it, it's valid and, and it, it might help. And then that with the man management stuff, you could just see it was very much a, a like a a, a, a manager, isn't it? Yeah, that's good. It's, I'm, look, I'm, I'm I'm sure most county coaches are, are are like that now, but it just it was definitely something that was that was striking about Jack and how much how much he cared for Westmead is something that's very very hard to, to replicate. Like everything he's done in his life up until kind of now when he, he's kind of taken this job kind of for himself. It's yeah. been for the betterment of Westmead, and it's it's no surprise that he is involved in our in our two biggest successes yeah. in terms of a, a Leinster and a, the culture. It's nearly thirty years of straight involvement in Westmead football that Jack Cooney had. Like it was remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Was yeah. that Ray? And we were looking. Look, the Talton Cup was a new thing this year, and it was kind yeah. of there was different kind of opinions on it. There was some counties weren't in support of it, and, and wanted everyone to stay in, in the main championship. And I think from the outside, we we were pretty supportive of it here on the football pod and any guests that we had on who were competing in the Talton Cup was like, look, there's a need for this competitive games against the same level of opposition. And you guys would have been, when you, when you lose to Kildare in the Leinster Championship and kind of think, it can go either way there, you can feel. Yeah. Say the players or, or, or Jack himself and the coaching team can say, listen, are we really are? This is a new competition we can just knock the season on the head or not. And, and you guys, to be fair, and there was a couple of counties that definitely did not give that, um, didn't give off that vibe. It was like, right, let's go all in to win this. And it was absolutely, we were at the Talton Cup final. It was a really good game. A great win for you guys. Well deserving, I thought, in the end. And you see the celebrations of you guys on the pitch alone. And then a little good celebration. <laughs> celebrations <laughs> afterwards. It looked Deadly, like top, like uh, that is that is a brilliant advertisement for the Talta Cup. It's brilliant for Westmead uh, and the supporters and you guys putting the shoulder to the wheel that you go to Crow Park, you win that inaugural competition. What was was that a perfect way in a way f- for Jack to kind of maybe step out of it? And, and how was that process? But when you lose to Kildare in the Leinster Championship, I mean, you're frustrated because that that game could have went either way in the yeah. previous years. What was when the Talton Cup was broached and like well, we're going back training this week? Was it 
universal buy-in or was there a little bit that did it, did it have to be kind of sold to you, I suppose, in a way? Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it's a good question. It was, it was definitely the first session back was, was one of kind of a, a, a come down and a, a bit of a, a bit of a lull. Um, cause obviously you don't really know what you're kind of preparing for cause it's never happened. You're a bit kind of like, like, oh, what is this competition? It was, yeah. there was a little bit of that cause you're obviously, you're going out to be clear and that's what all your focus is on. And then you, you fail at that. And like a lot of it, our own doing, like we, yeah, like Jack had Kildare, like again, kind of dissected. And he was like, if you turn over the ball, they're going to hammer you. And Jesus, did we turn over the ball? Like every, I was at it, right? I was yeah. There. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it was like, it turned into this conditioning game of like, we'd run up the field, turn the ball over, they'd run down kick point. And, you know, so it, it very much was kind of like the fact that we lost it in that manner was very deflating anyway. So I think that mood carried into the first session back. Um, where we were very much kind of like right deflated but then like we look we just spoke about it and it's like the, the way my attitude and it, it was voiced it was voiced by a few people was that like in Westmead we're long enough trying to tell people we're the second best team in Leinster behind Dublin over the last 10 years so the greatest team basically of all time Jamie might disagree there might be a Kerry team that you might uh, he, no, he agrees with nah, this as well we're saying now we're like look how, how are we how are we telling how are we telling people you know this is where we're at and then if we go out into a Talchon Cup with Division 3 and Division 4 teams and we can't go out and beat everyone in it well then where's our argument like we've no we don't we've no foundation to base that off like otherwise we're just having an inflated opinion of ourselves and we decided no this is going to be this is going to be us now showing that we're there, thereabouts for a Leinster, you know, any other decade or whatever, we might actually be winning them. Yeah. And, and we want to kind of show how, how good we are. Like we've got like the likes of Ronan O'Toole and Ronan Walls, John Heston, yeah. Jack Smith. Like these are lads who any other year are knocked out by, against Kildare and that's it, season done, you're off playing with your club. No one gets to see it. No one gets to see how talented you are. And from an individual point of view, like we get to praise your, you know, your, your Conor Collins, your David Clifford, Sean O'Shea, because we see them in the big games come the end of the year. And it's about time that lads in the lower divisions are in a massive game towards the end of the season, the last possible game available to them in the calendar year. And they're getting their chance to, to show about their skills. And you see it, you see it like to run no tool, like John Heston, like these lads who people know them, but not quite familiar. Next thing they get to see them and they really get to see these boys are as good as what's out there just haven't had the chance to put it on, put it on show. And that's, I think what the Talchon Cup gave us. And it was, you know, it was, it was the best kind of, the best shop window for lads to go out and be like, look, you think you're good, go out and show lads that you're good. Do you know that way? Well, so, we, we, we class. Yeah. That's, that's what it was for. That's what we're crying out for. Yeah. Look, Westmead were, were the best team in it this year, but there's so many players, but we, we know them from playing in, in college teams or, or watching club championship games throughout the winter. Going, this fella is unbelievable as a player. But you just don't. If you had Andy Moore on Leitrim, every county has these guys who yeah. are phenomenal players. And the Talent Cup was brought in to give these guys a window, promote it properly, play the games in Crow Park, have them on TV, and we've seen it in the games that were there. Unbelievable performances, and it's. I was delighted and I was delighted for you guys seeing the celebrations and how much you enjoyed it because it's not easy winning it either. No, no. You're, you're one, of the, one of the top teams in it. But, but beating Cavan and the work that you had to put in to, to, to do it. And like I said, that's the first run of it. And it usually yeah. takes time for the GA for these things to get up and running but that competition is only going to get better. I think so. Uh, so. You'd hope so. 
he definitely will. But I think the way that Westmead treated it was is will do it justice, and he did oh, it yeah. justice. And the way he celebrated it, and I, I remember speaking to John Heston, I bumped into him at the All Ireland final, and I said those celebrations are amazing. You didn't expect them at all, did you not? It was a kind no, of no, no. There was like I remember losing the Leinster final to Dublin <laughs> and coming home, and obviously the Leinster finals so the arrangements made if you win it, like and. Uh, Came home, there's about 150 people standing there, and we were up in the back of us. You could, you could have fit everyone that was standing outside up onto the, the trailer with us. Like, um, but then obviously, look, you saw that there was just thousands of people back in in Wollongar. Um, I actually had to race back to my my sister got married, I had to go back to the wedding. Um, no so consideration I there. I, I, I know I missed, <laughs> I, missed the, I missed the crack, um, oh, back shit. in Wollongar, so that was a bit of a uh. I kind of sucked in a rock and a hard place. But yeah. I, I, I was about to say that was a bit of a down buzz, but I can't say that was. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we can edit this, can edit this out. Yeah, I know, no, but they, I, I was obviously like, look, you, you, you saw the celebration yourselves. Like it, was, yeah. it meant a lot to people. Like it's been it's been a while. Like we've been, you know, we've been the bridesmaids at Leinster Finals for, for a good while. And it's finally nice to just come home out of Pro Park, walk up the steps of the Hogan stand, lift it lift a trophy like I got to lift lift a cup with Shane Allen one of my club mates who, who wasn't in the 26 and like, like there are special things like I'll, I'll never ever ever forget that like I'm one of the the best footballing day of of my life anyway, and probably of, of the rest of the boys there like I remember looking at Jer Egan after the match like Jer has slogged for Westmead for I don't know how many years like his body is in bits he just every year he gets up for championship and gets through it and like he's been there 10 odd years more um, and like he was in tears after the game just like it meant so much to boys who were putting in such an effort for so long and if, if every county buys in the way we did to it and like Cavan as well they were mad to win that like, yeah, so, yeah they were yeah. you know so I think I think I think the buy-in the buy-in will be the big thing if you see players really caring and really going for it fans media everyone will just will follow And but it, need, it needs to be like it needs to be pushed on like the likes of yourselves like media outlets need to really be like look Let's get, let's get this in the front window for the, for the time frame that it's that it's there. You know, it'll be interesting as well as, say, when we were saying, when it was coming up to the final, we were thinking, whoever wins this could get a serious bounce into next year. Do you yeah. know, it's like, we've just gone and we've won a trophy. We're stronger as a group. Do you know, we're going to celebrate after this, get back into training. And when you do go back training, there's going to be a good morale in the group because you're successful. You're a winning team again, do you know? So it'll be interesting to see, can he bounce on and be successful Again next year, do you know. Whereas I think it'd be for Kevin, it'd be difficult to kind of get back on the horse after winning such a, or after losing such a difficult one. Do you know? Yeah. Do you, find, do, you, do you reckon you'll have a good bounce off it? Well, I hope so. I mean, it, it's it's momentum, isn't it? Like, and it's it's bonding, and like we're going like we'll have a team holiday now um, come the end of October. Um, Forgot about like, that. Yeah, <laughs> we're heading off. To, we're heading off, to, we're heading off Cancun. So. <laughs> Spectacular. I'm going to go back and play Talta Cup next year. Too. Come back here. Unbelievable. Who can you qualify for, Paddy? I don't know. And someone will take me, sure. Look, Andy I think Moore. You, you have the maroon on you already. You look good maroon. Yeah. So you'll, you'll that's it. just for you. That's just in, for you. you um, we should do, we'll do a live show from Cancun. I look, we'll accept your invitation. <laughs> Thanks for Tommy, sort that. Off the ball. Yes. <laughs> Caroline's going to, to Mauritius. Cancun, way better trip, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, that'd be that'd be good yeah. crack, and all the girlfriends allowed come, so they're all bloody delighted as well. So that's savage. Yeah, I know it is. It's great. So like, even that was a big motivator too. Going into that, <laughs> we knew we knew there'd be a holiday at the end of it if we wanted. So yeah, yeah. That's Did you say when you're going in October? Is it? 
Well, yeah, we're going the end of October there. So, what about the teachers? I'm sure they'll figure out something. Just the midterm. It's always we were giving yeah. out on this right. There's always anytime you're doing holidays, the teachers had the final say. It's like oh, I can't get off, so you have to fucking move it. But uh, no, yeah, it's done. They're it's paid for. They can come yeah, if they want. They're going. <laughs> <laughs> so. Just just as we're chatting there, Ryan, we're talking about big days and big days out. There was a. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't get my head around the last week. It's been shut down for now, but they were talking about scrapping league finals, right? And I know you were in Australia for 17, 18 and 19. So am I right yeah. in saying that you, you didn't win league medals at Westmead when they won four in 19 and, and th- or four in, in 17 and three in 19? No, my, my strike rate with Westmead is poor now. I, I started playing in 2014 with Division 1 and every year I played, we got relegated and I left and they, and they got promoted every year after and then I came back and I got relegated again. So, <laughs> Dallas, that's impressive. Yeah. I know, that's, um, that's probably your first medal. That's your first medal yeah. at Intercounty Football, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think at any age group, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, Great one, is it? Yeah, what am I doing on this show? <laughs> well, it's just like, <laughs> how, how can they take away chances for big days and, and moments like that? You know, um, yeah. my next question was, I was going to ask you, was, was that comeback against Mead? I always have a way of getting Mead into the show in 14. Yeah. That must have been one of the big days in, in your life yeah. as a Westmead footballer. Like your John, your brother John's playing that day too. Two years kick points that day. Yeah, yeah. John came on, played well. Um, no, that was that was very special. We still have photos in the house and all of that. Um, you know, we were so we were so out of that game. Um, and just the way we came back and the way the stadium was filling up for the next game as well, that just got louder and louder. And anyone who was a neutral just kind of was getting behind us as the underdog because we were just clawing our way back into it and next thing like Kieran Martin just burst through for a couple of goals and yeah. next thing the points started getting chipped over and we were like Jesus lads there's a chance here and all of a sudden it was like two points and we were I think we were like a point up or something turned over the ball and it was actually I when the last turned over the ball I gave it to me we did a little one too I gave it to the brother he let it off to Hess Hess just ran about 40 yards and buried it and he did the celebration back now that was there was a few days after that were serious <laughs> as well. So, no, that was that was a special day. No, that was that was that was really up there. And you, you saw how much that meant to, to Westmead people. Like it's yeah, like Westmead people do love their football. They just probably haven't had the opportunities to really grow in behind it enough. Um, but if you're asking about the league final and scrapping those big days out, I don't think it makes sense in anyone's mind. Like, who, actually, who, who actually decides these? Who are the who are the individual uh, people how these uh, that come up with this? Like, I, I was. John, John Prenty on the Connacht Council is the first Prenty, person I saw suggesting who would have been actively against Proposal B back in the day as well a couple of years ago. So there are, there are some people with a lot of influence that uh, some of their standings I'm, the, I'm the just consistently against. Like, so. the, league, the league is the, for me, from my own experience, was the best competition. Yeah. Every week you're playing week on week so you're not being flogged in training but the atmosphere going around the country playing we're playing a Kerry or over the Castle Bar or wherever we're going the atmosphere was class it's a brilliant competition the league finals are a massive event in the calendar for all the divisions that, like I said in Division 4 Division 3 okay myself and Ray were fortunate we get to, to play in Crow, Car- Crow Park we're playing the Leinster Championship but we had Emily Mulligan on talking about this before and playing over a decade and never got to play in Crow Park until yeah. there's a league final there. So the opportunity for, for, for players to one, win a bit of silverware before the championship kicks off 
and finish off what is usually a brilliant period of, of the Gaelic football calendar, the two mm-hmm. months of National League. And to come out, these lads, they're away with the fairies. Like, look at, yeah. like ask any player in any county. They love playing the league and the opportunity, the carrot at the end of playing Crow Park and win a national title. Yeah. Coming out, we'll just cancel that. Like, what? Fucking planner are these guys on like yeah, it makes it it makes it way more competitive as well because there's a race for second as well. Like if you're fourth mm-hmm. or fifth and you had no chance of winning the league, you might kind of rest a few fellas or you might try some new things towards the end of the league. But if you yeah. know you can come second, you're gonna go balls out to try and get second and be in Crow Park. Yeah. So it it it's it, the integrity of the league it actually keeps as well. Yeah, well, I'd I'd been I'd have been looking to go back to the the one A one B model where the two winners in one A and one B go into the semifinals, and that like that that was the way it was. It really worked. Right, and I think a there's a lot of advocates for semis, that system. Yeah, yeah we had yeah, semis a couple of years. I just think if you look at you look at lads and they, oh, someone someone did an article recently about it, and it's the training to to games ratio in, in Gaelic could, football is so bad. Could have been Neil Ewing who Neil Ewing, that's right, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And like you see, you see the training to game ratio, and as as you were saying there, Paddy, about like week on week having games is just it's what every footballer wants. Every single the player. only problem with the league is that it's at a shit time of year. <laughs> that is that's the only like if you had the league where lads are hopping off the ground in summer football, like. Yeah. It'd be it'd be class. Like you'd have like all the best teams playing all the best teams, all evenly matched stuff. And next thing, the teams that are good and the teams that are bad are all playing the same number of games. So the gap between the good and the bad isn't going to just start spreading and spreading and spreading because everyone's getting games, everyone's getting a chance to improve. The standard of football will grow because everyone's playing, but it'll all grow together rather than Kerry and Dublin every year getting to play ten extra games and everyone else only playing five or six. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think I think it's definitely it's definitely the, the best competition. It's the best format. It's it's the, it's why every other sport in the world runs off league format. <laughs> well we're slow yeah, to like, catch on, I feel. Yeah, like, like the, the NBA the and the Premier League and all they haven't <laughs> haven't just done it for no reason. Like it, it yeah. works. Like yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. before you came on, we were having a chat about the new manager bounce, right? So right. there's 14 counties next year in 2023 are going to have a new management team Ooh. over them. So I, I'm going to hazard a guess and say that they're all not going to get the same manager bounce, right? We were talking about uh, managers well needing to win over players in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. When they go in, it's a very important thing. Desi Dolan, a legend of Westmead, Westmead football, is hardly going to have that problem winning over players in the dressing room, is he? Surely no, no. he can look boys like John Heston in the eye as he did when he played with them 10 years ago. And, and get them on board. Yeah, no, I think I think Desi won't have that problem, and particularly after being involved last year. Yeah, I think we all saw a side of Desi. Um, so when I when I started in 2014, Desi was playing his final season, and and the structure of our of our setup in Westmead was, was a, a shambles at the time. Um, I think Desi was kind of like Jesus, like I'll, I'll be here as a kind of like a bit of a mentor. You know, I don't think, you know, it didn't mean as much to him as, as what it did previous years. And, you know, that that's obviously fine. So, like, I never experienced Desi kind of at the height of his powers as a player. And then, obviously, I'm from a rival club back home, Athlone. And he's from Gary Castle in the same town. Um, so, I'd never been really in the dressing room with him. Um, so, in a way, I, I never, I never like, saw the, the Desi, like, the, this hero kind of from, from Westmead. I, I just didn't really remember it. Um, and next thing he stood up and he spoke a few times uh, early in the year when we were having meetings and I was like fuck me I get it now 
<laughs> I was like, I was like, this this makes sense. Like, I I can understand now why Gary Castle are getting to where they're getting cons- in the championship consistently. I can understand how even days when we're playing as well as Gary Castle in club championship, they still manage to beat us by two or three points. And the difference he makes from from that point of view, like you know, you hear Desi might be on on like RT or something, like he's there to just commentate and you know not to like probably rough Russell feathers or whatever. Gets in in the dressing room and it makes sense as to as to where he got as a player and, and what he can bring uh to to a to a backroom team and now to to his own uh management kind of campaign. So I'm definitely looking forward to see kind of how he gets on as as the number one. But like he's got he's got JK there, John yes. King. Um he's got he's I don't know else who else he's going to bring in or who's have around him. But between the two of them, there there's a there's a good kind of a balance between them. Like they were they were gas last year. One was forwards, one was backs coach. And uh, there was always a bit of biting in, in training between the two, between the two of them, and that feeds into us in a kind of competitive way as well. So, no, I, I definitely, I definitely hadn't experienced Desi kind of in the dressing room from from that point of view until last year, and I was just like, "Ding, this makes sense." You know, he's he's he is quality. So, really, really looking forward to it now. What what's the Westmead dressing room like? Because we we kind of got to know you as you said with the Cup, <clears> more games being on. We're seeing the likes of Ronan Wallace. Uh, storming forward we're seeing the type of footballer he is Sam McCartan was swinging over points from play with both feet wow. in the Tatchen Cup final we're seeing O'Toole who's arguably the player of the tournament in lots of ways um, I think we all know Heston from his exploits over the years but like what is that dressing room like? It's probably the same as everywhere else like nothing too different you've got a few quiet lads a few lads who stick to themselves then you've got head cases lads who are <laughs> who are out there like Ronald Wallace is stone mad he's a great man he's hilarious um like Luke Lachlan same absolutely mad but great crack um but they're all all kind of the same like all very competitive all very kind of like you know hard work and like com- like it's the competitive side of it that that really grew this year as the year went on training games got tougher they got way more intense like boys were dogging each other like like we're all we're all in a in a group for that we can see what we're listening in the gym like and boys are constantly trying to trying to outdo each other so like there, there's definitely a good competitive kind of healthier relationship, and like everyone, everyone gets on. That's the main thing. Like I mean, not everyone's best friends in terms of like like not you're not going meeting every single person for a coffee, but like meet them a trade, and you're, everyone's just sound out with each other, which is which is great. Um, and like you, I think you see that then like the likes of Sam McCartan, like how like unbelievably good he was this year. Like he's only yeah. what, 20, 21. and he's an absolute. He's our best player consistently for the year, league championship. Like, just if you could have fifteen of them, like you would. Like he's hard working, talented, and just a, a nice fella as well. So, yeah. What's the, what's the plan for twenty twenty three? Have you got the bug? Oh yeah. Have, have you got the bug back? Have I got the bug back? Mm. Could you give it back? You said twenty one. I thought you said have I got the bullet. I was like, hold on, I'll just check my phone here. Is it you know something I I don't? Um no, I, I haven't got the bullet yet. Um, but yeah, I, I have got the bullet. At this time of year, it's kind of hard. Like it's I, I haven't really thought about it too much, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I like to take the time off to to have time off. Like I'm not flat out in the gym, not doing mad like running sessions or anything just yet. Um there's there's enough time for that. So uh, at this point, I'm more thinking about just work, holiday. We'll deal with football then as it comes around. I, I'm not really one of these fellas who'll be, you know, itching itching to get back early in December. Like, you know, that'll come. 
Yeah, it'll come. It'll come. Wire here, Ray. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, it'll come. It, it, when the pitches start getting harder, I start getting excited. Then I'll be. Well, Ray Canellan, thanks a million for joining us on the football pod. It was a pleasure to chat to you for the last little while. I think we picked up loads there from the Australia experiment and uh, how you got on this year with Westmead and Tajan Cup is an example, hopefully, for how the tournament will be played next year as well. We're all looking forward to that too. Thanks, Ray. Okay. Nice to meet you, Ray. Thanks, 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 Ray. Enjoy man. the trip. Well deserved. Cheers, boys. Paddy Anders, I'm not going to ask you because you're a professional for pretty much the last eight, nine years of your career with Dublin. James Dunhu, <laughs> would you like to have been a professional athlete? Would I have been? Yeah, of course you would. Oh, I asked James, not you, because oh, you were professional. Sorry, there'd be not, there'd be nothing better. It's the, the dream, the dream gig. There'd be nothing else would come even close to it. Would the money even matter to you? Well, I suppose your lifestyle, you're probably living so safely and so kind of in your bubble that you probably wouldn't even spend that much money. Like you're probably spending your money in your, in your off time, but the the money would matter. The the more, the more money, the more money, the better. (laughs) Where was I going? Oh, the money, the money, baby. Yeah. Yeah, But not, oh, professional at least be unbelievable. Now in fairness, I'd say the training in Australia is sick. You'd want to be fairly robust and fairly mentally tough to get through it. Away from home as well, it would be be tough. But if you could get over probably the hard winter, mm. I'd say they, they live a that great sounded, life. That sounded tough, didn't it? My the goodness. robustness sounds like the big thing, doesn't it? 15K in a session. I, we were only doing 20K a week in uh, at times with Kerry. They were doing 18K for one that session. savage stuff. But then Wait. you see what, when they come back, that's, that's wider. Yeah. They must come back and do GA training sessions and be laughing at her. Are you yeah. winding me up? This is meant to be hard. Like, Jesus Christ. Do you reckon they'd be over there going, would you ever try this with a round ball? Because it would really make a job of it. Like. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be so, such a such a better sport, wouldn't it? It'd be um, better, but obviously the skill we'll, is sick. We'll, to kick that, to punt that, to punt the round ball is tough. I meant to, to ask him. I meant to ask Ray about the... I meant to ask Ray about the trials and the combine trials because I know they're happening at the minute in, in Ireland. There's been a couple of players yeah. getting scouted at quite a young age. Yeah, up in the Northeast, there's been a couple of trials. Yeah. Um, Ricky Nixon. I don't Another know. Guy. It could be, could be another. It could be Ricky's another. Cancelled, is he? I think, that, I think whoever the scout was in, in Derry did a good job for a couple of years. Derry had uh, Callum Brown, Connor Glass, and uh, Anton Tohal all going around oh, yeah. at the same time so I don't know how popular that man was whoever was tipping off the AFL no, they're, they're generally not the most popular now. no uh, Paddy when you, like yeah it's, it's that robustness that is the interesting one um, would your Dublin sessions have ever been gotten to the stage where boys were broken down or, or was it was it managed that well that you were able to get broken down it? like we did hard sessions yeah but like we would have the whole point is that you're, you're trying to train to a point where fatigue but not injury yeah, that's your, you're building up the muscles for the, the idea is going to, to train harder than any match is going to be. That that's that's what it's for. You're preparing for the biggest days, but no, you, that's that's a terrible sign for an S and C coach or or a team that if there's guys constantly getting injured in training, that means you're obviously you're doing something wrong. So we we were generally pretty good with our injury record. We didn't have too many guys missing too many big games. Like, yeah, but, but some of those training sessions that that Ray was talking about there sounds. Like I say, there's a period of building your body up to be ready to even step into that. 
type of stuff. Yeah, definitely. Quick question for you. Why did that now? My legs will fall off. Be shambles. When when he's talking about every player has to hit 15k before the session's over, so some players are doing 21, 22k. 18, 18k. 18k. Who would have let down your teams? Who would have been the last to reach 18k? So we've goalkeepers. How are they doing? Are they in the mix? Oh, yeah. But let's root the goalkeepers uh, out. Who who would have let down the team? Who would have had you going? Billy McMahon. Yeah. Or Burnham, maybe. See the full back and full forward lines are kind of it's not their natural gig. No. James, I'm looking at you. I'm just wondering, would you have been the man to let down the team? A man who hates GPS I would have gazelled my way to the 21. <laughs> You've only tiny little. I'd be, I'd be calling <laughs> fellas. Are you not at 18 yet? It would have taken you years to get to 18K. Tiny little legs. Like. When you I think sprint and stop, sprint and stop. That no, that that long stuff probably would have been. Yeah, it's tough. If you have a back injury, like I had a bad back. Like oh. that, that kind of slow, cumbersome stuff is. It, every step is like. A, Dagger into the. I back. wouldn't cycle 18k with my back. Like. <laughs> yeah, no Steve, chance. Yeah. yeah. Well, listen. Stevie O'Neill said cycling saved his career. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's an ambassador. He's, he's an ambassador for Peloton or something. Like that. He's that was an ad. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's the new face of Rally Max. <laughs> yeah, if I see Stevie O'Neill on a Rally Max on Twitter now, I'm calling him out. Well, I'd say sales went. <laughs> Through the roof last week from mountain <laughs> yeah. bikes around the country. All um, all yeah. Oh, I do it myself. I was, I was nodding away to myself. It's it's when your body's knackered, it's a nice way to keep active. Yeah. It's not okay. too strenuous. Yeah, no, fair enough. Listen, boys, pleasure as always. It was great to get the thoughts of Ray Canal. They're very interesting to hear about Australia and the Talchin Cup year that they had. Also interesting to hear about that spell he had in 2021 where he didn't really have the book for football. So, I'm sure that's yeah. something that we'll hear about again because it's the team that we've heard a couple of times on the show over the last uh, year or two that we've been doing it. So, Paddy Andrews, James O'Donoghue, thank you. Thanks, Tom. Best, best of luck this week. To everyone at home, cheers for listening in. We'll see you next Monday. <laughs>